guys, and welcome to the Homegirls Podcast for a very special episode. Um, to be completely honest and frank, we did not plan on even talking about this at any point in time. We were going to go ahead and drop our introduction episode to you guys, let us know a little tidbit about what was going on with us, and then jump into some fun, inspirational stuff. But given the terrible atmosphere of our world in this at this very moment, we just couldn't help but to discuss um, a topic as dear to us as this one. And the title of today's episode is basically, what's deadlier, coronavirus or racism in America? Mm. Two very clear mm. pandemics that are present in the United States at, the, at this current time. We, we just, I mean, we just had to speak on it. Honestly, we just had to speak on it. So this will be your first time really getting um, a bird's eye view of our stance in current events. <laughs> um, so yeah, welcome. Welcome, you guys. Welcome. Um, I don't know if y'all have been under a rock, but coronavirus <laughs> is a very prevalent virus. <laughs> um, you know, that's prevalent in the United States right now. It's killing lots of people. Lots of people are being, yeah, in the world. Yeah, in the world. Um, it's killing a ton of people at this point. Some people, not so much, but I guess the biggest thing that we want to discuss is why it seems to disproportionately affect African-Americans more so than other races in the world. So we did a little research, okay? <laughs> we, got, we got degrees, okay? So we did a little research before we start talking about it. Okay. <laughs> okay? Um, yes. So a study, and, and mind you, this study does not take into account oh, the entire nation, but there was one study that was performed in mid-April um, that basically stated that Blacks are accounting for up to or, or approximately 60% of deaths, of coronavirus deaths, and more than half of cases. So there's a ton of reasons why different people may think that is. Um, but disparities in healthcare when it comes to African Americans has been a thing way before coronavirus. Y'all agree? Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So, I mean, some of the main things that uh, the study was discussing was basically healthcare access um, for African Americans. You know, when it comes to testing, when it comes to treatment, which makes it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the density of households in African American families. And that's not saying African Americans have 75 children apiece, but Basically, <laughs> you know, African-American uh, families may more likely, you know, consist of a mom, a dad, somebody's grandmother, somebody's nieces, somebody's nephews, you know, things like that. Um, unemployment, uh, which is a, a big, a big issue in the African-American community, um, which, you know, clearly would, would lead to a lack of money, a lack of funds to be able to access the health care or the, the treatment or testing even for this virus. And then, of course, the comorbidities associated with African-Americans are being, it's being said that it's putting them at greater risk for um, coronavirus death. That's diabetes, hypertension, um, heart disease. Now, this disparity seems to be the number one disparity that our lovely government is blaming coronavirus, uh, you know, blaming for uh, the coronavirus effect in African-Americans. However, I just kind of beg to differ. What do you what do you guys think? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna say COVID-19 and racial disparity go hand in hand. 
I mean, the way that Blacks are treated in healthcare organizations, institutions, it's deplorable. You get spoken to as if you are ignorant when you're educated. Um, you don't receive the necessary treatment sometimes when you go into a hospital, whether it's an emergency room or a clinic, unless you actually know where you're talking about. And then in the event that you are one of those people who know, you know, the tables are turning and then, you know, treatment is different and, and plan of care is totally different at this point because, you know, you actually, you know, oh, you work in healthcare. Oh, you have a degree. Um, and it's sad to say the same thing with COVID-19. You are perceived to be uh, African-American. It doesn't matter how well you speak or how educated you are. It's just assumed, well, you don't have any money or you may not have insurance. So you get the bare minimum to treatment. Okay, you get tested for the virus. Then you get sent home. A friend of mine um, who has his own business and works went in to not one, not two, but three different hospitals, got tested for COVID-19. And like you spoke on, Alex, he is hypertensive. He is on insulin. Okay. And told, oh, you're young. You should fare out well. And it was like, wait, but and he could barely speak. Every time he would talk, you can tell like it was his breathing was labored. Like he could barely he couldn't get out bare words. He was just like, I, I don't know what to do. And they sent him home. And then, of course, 14 days later, what happened? He went back to the third hospital where he was then admitted and was told they should have never let, let you leave. And on top of everything, guess what else now? One, he just found out that he may have a, a pre-existing condition now where he might be pre-dialysis as a permanent damage to COVID-19 and not getting proper treatment. So it's a lot of things where, oh, you know, Black people are being affected so high and you guys, oh my God, you know, someone Black, we have to worry about it because it's not that we can't fight the virus and we don't have the immunity. It's just that our skin color is the problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'll speak on just being someone who um, has a chronic illness um, that was directly affected by COVID-19. I know the, the disparities that I faced as an African-American woman with sickle cell um, I've been treated. I've been treated as if I'm a drug addict. Different things. So I know and have like just faced head on with doctors, people who have discriminated against me solely because I'm I'm black. And if we're being if we're being real and we're being being honest, I'm sorry. I live in Texas, okay, and I see a lot of fat ass people when I'm grocery shopping. And I know they got diabetes and high cholesterol and all of that. And these are non-black people. So if y'all, they can sit up and play the games if they want to. But it's a whole lot of Hispanics and it's a whole lot of white folks in Texas that's overweight and got other problems. And I work in healthcare as well. And when I'm um, reviewing like the people, the patients that are on our studies, their um, their uh, their other illnesses um, are are the same illnesses that Black people have. So I feel like that's just the tactic to push the agenda that it's us that's causing a problem or us that are, you know, causing the, the spread of it or whatnot. And then just to go back on what you spoke on, Alex, you know, we, 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 our people live, we, we, it's multiple people in a household. But not only that, when you talk about the type of jobs that we have, when you go to the grocery store, who do you see checking out? You see some black kids or a black person or a non, you know, some other minority group. So when we're talking about, you know, people that are catching it, we're being exposed to it at a higher rate because we're the frontliners. Whether it's somebody working in a gas station, at a grocery store, you know, a janitor, wherever. So, you know, they need to take into account those factors as well. 
Right. And as far as the healthcare aspect of it, I'm, this is Courtney speaking, and I, I am a nurse, and I'm also a COVID-19 nurse. So I worked on an actual coronavirus unit. So I can speak of being a patient in a hospital. I mean, when I go to the ED, I have I have migraines. But when I go to the ED, they will try to treat you like you're pain-seeking. Like, sir, I haven't been to the hospital for migraines in three years. This particular one, I just cannot handle on my own, you know? So they do treat you like that. But as soon as you start talking the lingo, because I don't go to any hospital saying that I'm, you know, I'm a nurse. I don't do that. But when you start talking the lingo, I, and because I'm black, and when I start talking the lingo, their attitude towards me changed. They're like, oh, wait, let's get it together because she knows what she's talking about and she knows what's going on. So once I start asking the questions and saying, hey, I want this done, I want this done, I need, you know what I'm saying? Now all of a sudden, oh, let's get that all that. But at first, when I first walked through the door and I asked to get a CT of my brain to make sure I don't have a tumor or something growing. That's why my head is feeling like it's about to pop. Nobody said something. No, nobody, you didn't think that it was that serious. But then when I start talking and now you know that I'm educated, oh, now you're going to CYA and do everything that you need to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So that is a frustration of mine that, you know, I can understand you, Shade, having that same, that same issue. And then as far as like black people having health, you know, access to healthcare, First of all, they they don't treat us right. So we don't want to go there in the first place. You know, we feel like they're not going to give us the same treatment that they would give our other counterparts in, you know, this world. So we don't want to go there, you know? So if you, I'm, I, I feel I'm going to, if I feel like I'm going to be racially discriminated against, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like you're going to give me the best care anyway. So I'm just going to stay home and, you know, deal with it myself, you know? So, yeah, that's, that's just what it is. And as far as like the density of you know, the households, we're not the only race that have a bunch of people in living in a household. I know Mexican people that got three generations living in, you know, two apartments and I mean, whites, you know, everything else. So they, they want to make it seem like we have all of these things against us, all of these strikes against us that's making us feel like this is the reason why we're catching it more and dying from it more. But just like they say, we're the front liners of everything. And but, but when we go there, we're not treated the same. And don't get me wrong, as a healthcare professional, the, the COVID-19 testing is only as accurate as the person that's doing it. So when Christina was talking about, you know, her friend going get tested like multiple times, if imagine being a, a nurse and you're doing the same thing, and you're, you're doing 500 tests a day, how would, would nurse is really making sure that she do every single test accurately, you know? Mm. So, I mean, I would go to different places if I needed to. I would go to different testing sites and get tested at three different sites. So he did a good job because I would have done the same thing. If you're sitting up here and you're doing 500 tests a day and you see this long line of cars, you're, you're doing what you got to do and you're keeping moving, you're keeping moving. Who's to say that you're doing it accurately? So I would get tested multiple times. I'm just a second opinion type girl anyway when it comes to healthcare. So <laughs> that's just me. Yeah. But I mean, also, I mean, Chrissy had hit on this earlier. If we're constantly being refused testing or, you know, turned around from testing, it's so much easier to go back and infect. So right. if I go to get a test and I'm refused it because I'm young, you know, I don't have a fever at this moment, but I'm telling you I've been exposed to someone. 
I go back to my home. I can spread it to my kids. I go back to my essential job, like Shade touched on, you know, dealing with all the other people with coronavirus. I come back home. I go back to the testing. You refuse it. Now I go back to my essential job, come into contact with a bajillion more people. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm spreading it because I'm being refused adequate testing. And the testing free? I can't. Testing isn't yeah. free, is it? They're free. Is it free? No. Yeah. It wasn't before, though, right? Like no. when it's first. Yeah, when it's first started, I know it. It wasn't before. Nope. Um. So that's you didn't a thing have insurance, you couldn't get it. Right. Right. So that's a thing in itself. Right. And I mean, coronavirus. I look, y'all. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. When coronavirus first came out. I really thought it was a hoax. I'm not gonna lie, like, you know, not that it was a hoax, I knew it was a virus, but I really didn't take it as seriously as I should have. I'm just being completely honest. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, oh Lord, another political agenda. And why I do feel like coronavirus is a political agenda, period. And I'll get into that a little bit later, just given how all these randomly random cases get, uh, you know, blown out of the water when we start having racial protests and, you know, like really, huh? Okay, you know, now all of a sudden, oh, we don't want to do dealings with China because, oh, the Chinese virus, really, huh? You know, so, you know, coronavirus, you know, in the beginning, I really just felt like it was some straight yeah. Granted, now I know that it's a real disease, but I just feel like all of the, the foolishness that comes along with the treatment, the testing and all of it, I, I think that's worse than the damn virus. Give me the virus. Okay, don't give me the virus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like all of the stuff that comes with it is so frustrating to watch. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like Erica, I know Erica, she's an essential worker in Atlanta, right? Like dealing with all kind of craziness during the coronavirus. I mean, what's your experience with that? Like personally, I feel like blacks are being we being blackballed right now because yeah, they're reporting numbers saying it's blacks, but it's not. I'm seeing blacks at first they were staying inside. Like I'm I'm driving around the city and nobody was in the streets. And where I and where I inspect is predominantly white and that's who was out there. So for them to keep saying that the Atlanta numbers are black, 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 I'm like that's not what I'm seeing. So you can't believe everything you see. Because one thing about the news, they tell you what they want and they don't tell you what they want. So hey. it's like, you know, the essential workers, they thought that they were going to increase the numbers by, okay, we're going to do the essential workers first. Everybody will stay inside, let them go. Okay, so the essential workers wore masks. We wore gloves. We, we use hand sanitizer. So the numbers didn't increase. Okay, so now you want to open up city in phases. You want to do, okay, we're going to do a Cinco de Mayo and Mother's Day. And you're telling people, that, okay, you can come out now. But we're still being cautious. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like the numbers, I don't really, you know, I don't really believe. I think they're they're holding back some of the numbers. And they're presenting what they want to present because it's all, it's all a mind thing. And it's, you know, coronavirus is real. Racism is real. But at the end of the day, there's a bigger agenda that we all, we, we have no clue about. But there's I'm a bigger agenda in all this. And, and just to touch on what you said, Erica, I've heard of people being um, either, you know, shot or dying from other ways. But Corona or COVID-19 or whatever you want to call it is the reason that they're marking the death. Yes, ma'am. The black so yes, it's just like ma'am. they're they're forcing that upon us. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are speaking out, but they try to quiet us down. But that's a real thing. So yes. yeah, that's just another whole agenda that they're using against us you know yeah 
Like yeah, people are going in hospital for one thing and dying of that, but they're labeling them coronavirus. Like it's a lot going on with this. And it's just crazy. So I'm just saying, just keep your eyes open and just keep yourself protected. That's all you can do is keep yourself protected and make sure your family is okay. Because like to me, it's a big conspiracy. Like I believe, it, you know, it is going on, but I don't believe these numbers. I don't. Because I know what I see. I know what I'm seeing. I'm seeing blacks are not coming out like that. Like they're not, they're not trying to die. And then y'all put in these situations where you guys are thinking that the city is open. You know, why are you opening the cities in certain places? You yeah. open it, like, you know, open golf courses, open tennis courts. Then right. we'll come out. Then we'll come out. Don't tell us to come out when you open in nightclubs and stuff that you know we're participating in, nail shops and stuff like that. Open country clubs. Open the, up, open stuff like that. Open mm. the spas, you know. Then we'll come open. out because the government offices are still closed. Right. Yeah. Open city hall. That's about to say open, open the, the city hall buildings and stuff like that. Then I'm going to feel safe. Once y'all you. start opening those type of uh, things, then I'm going to feel safe. Until then, no. But just, just to touch on what you said, uh, Shadi. Yeah. They, I ain't never seen so many people die in pneumonia in my life from uh, March to March to April. Like that was the diagnosis they wanted to get everybody. I'm like, okay, not everybody got pneumonia. So I saw when they was doing it vice versa, where it was corona and it was labeling pneumonia or it was you know pneumonia it was pneumonia but it was really corona i didn't see you know that happen both ways and the thing is just a bridge about both of our two subjects which is coronavirus and racism the thing is coronavirus i have seen other races get coronavirus i personally taken care of a multitude of races with coronavirus so we are the ones that are targeting more, you know, with coronavirus, but I've also seen other races do it. As far as racism, we are the only target for racism. So it's like, we, child, we can't win. But you know what? I have to, t- I have to beg to differ there because, I mean, yeah, we are a really big target when it comes to racism, but like Asian people, like yeah. my two partners, my yeah. two partners are Asian. And when coronavirus first, you know, came out or whatever, and they found out it was from China. I had like a woman call me and was like, hi, you know, who's the pharmacist today? I tell her, you know, my name or whatever. And they're like, oh, is it X? Is it Y? And I'm like, no, why? Okay, because yeah, I don't want the little oriental pharmacist touching my medicine. Girl. Like, Excuse me? I'm like, well, as a, you know, as a pharmacy manager here, can you let me know which pharmacy you'd like to transfer your medications to? Because I refuse to put a note in your profile that you don't want my Asian counterparts to touch your medication. And she's like, well, no, it's not about me being racist. It's about me being cautious. Okay, really? Well, I'm going to go ahead and assume that your, your cautiousness um, is offensive. And so I'm, you let me know where you want to transfer it. I put a good note. I'm not filling your medication here. Do not come back. Because I, I don't want to touch your medication. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So it's not just Black people. I mean, I've seen people say some ugly stuff, especially with our lovely president you know, calling this the Chinese virus. Now, some people, you know, it's a game of semantics. Like some people, I mean, it is Chinese because it's from China. He knew what he was saying when he said that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. He knew what he was saying when he said that because hate and divide is his whole agenda. Yeah. So right. by calling this the Chinese virus, any ignorant person that thinks they see an Asian is a Chinese person, you know, is going to be like, oh, I need to stay away from them. And that's, so that's the whole political agenda 
Yeah, and I, I agree with you on, on that part of the racism, but this is just something that just started, you know, happening with them. You know, racism with the black community, this has been going on. You know, they they just getting a taste of what we've been feeling like our whole lives, you know? So it, it doesn't make it fair, but we, we, we still are, like, a big target. And I, I'm just not sure, like, what do we have to do in order to have our voices heard so we can be equal? Like, we, we do the same thing every other race in this world does. So mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't understand it. Yeah. We and I mean, coronavirus. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Erica. We need to vote. Like, a lot of Blacks not voting. Like, we need to vote more. Like, more Blacks need to vote. And it's like, a lot of the, like, the racism, like, I feel like if we vote, because it's like even Atlanta, like 530,000 Blacks didn't vote, and 230 voted, well, 230,000 people voted in Georgia. That's how Trump won. But it was 530 Blacks that didn't vote in Georgia alone. So it's right. like, I think that we really, really need to vote. Like, they yeah. use this coronavirus and these protests as a, like, as a distraction right now. But in, like, in all in reality, like, right now they got primaries going on. Mm-hmm. And we need to keep our eyes open to what's going on. Yeah. And I can agree. I can agree that voting is an issue. Yes, African Americans need to vote. However, if every African American voted and did not commit a crime and went to work every day and did the same thing that any other upstanding citizen does in this world, we would still have a target on our back just because of the ingrained right. hatred in the United States. I'm sorry. So yes, voting is a thing. Yes, black people, we need to get out there and vote. Everybody needs to get out and vote. You know, because that's something that our ancestors fought for. But I don't think voting is going to help the ideals that have been passed down to so many generations just of hatred. And I mean, that's kind of why we entitled this. Erica actually came up with this topic, you know, of trying to figure out which one is deadly, deadlier. And basically, which one is deadlier in African American? Is it coronavirus? Yeah, it's killing us a little bit more disproportionately than other races. But I have a good feeling that I'll probably, I would go with racism being right. much more deadlier okay. to our race than this virus. Whether this virus was man-made or brought here or whatever the case may be, racism is something that we're still fighting in 2020. And this virus is being used to play on that. And, and, yeah. and when you think about, um, you know, because I'm in the pharmaceutical industry and all of that. And when you think about the whole Tuskegee spill, what they did during that time, how they pretty much utilized black men or black, yeah, black it was black men, I believe, and gave them syphilis, but made them think that it was something else. This is just another tactic. The only thing is now we are, we have a lot more rights than we did back then. We have a lot more uh, resources so we can kind of keep up to date on things or whatnot. But now we're going to create this disease and we're going to, you know, make it seem like the black people are in the Chinese, but you know, whatever, the black people are the ones that are mainly carrying it. And just to go back to the numbers that you said earlier, Alex, um, so when you look at things, Black Americans represent about 13.4% of the American population. But half of all COVID cases and almost 60% of the deaths are being are basically being attributed to the, the Black population. When you look at um, the disproportionate numbers when it comes to Blacks being in prison. It's the same. We make up such a small percentage of society, but how come we are the most, the, the highest population when it comes to prisons? And now it's being attributed to the police. And then when you look at where we are today, the protests going on, 
Nobody's telling people, oh, it's a pandemic, stay inside. No, they're pushing us to go out there. This is all a part of an agenda. I don't know the mastermind of it. It is all going to work out in some way. This is not all just happening by chance. No, definitely not. And then just going back to that protest thing, I mean, the protest started, what, maybe a couple of days ago, literally a day or two. That's when the numbers came out that there was like a increase of over 21,000 uh, coronavirus cases due to these mass protests. Mm-hmm. First of all, I thought w- these numbers were being delayed for weeks um, when this first started, you know? <laughs> and I understand we, you know, I understand we're fine tuning the testing and we're fine tuning the, you know, the reporting of these numbers, but now all of a sudden we can get testing and turnaround of numbers in two days after the mass protests of some black killings. Yeah, America is working, boy, let me tell you. But that's the same thing in Louisiana, though, Alex. Like, you've made a good point. Like, coronavirus cases, as of last week, were up 50% before the protests even started in Louisiana. Nobody knew that. Nobody was reporting that. I want to say WWL reported it. But as quickly as I got the notification on my phone, I couldn't forward it fast enough. And then I couldn't find it. A friend of mine had to tell me that, of course, because like I said, he had the virus. So he had to shut down his personal business. And now, like you're saying, oh, the protests have started. So people are being urged to wear masks and to go get tested immediately because the, the second resurgence they feel is going to happen amidst the protests that's going on because people are not using safe tactics to protest. I'm sorry, my black brothers and sisters are being killed, beaten on, uh, stripped of their rights, broad daylight, on camera, doesn't care, the police don't care who's watching constantly. And you wanna tell me, oh, but put your mask on, put your gloves on, bring your sanitizer. Absolutely not, that's the last thing that's on our minds when we are speaking for injustice, inequality. And again, like you guys said, fighting systemic racism. This is all systemic because this is not something that just, it's rearing its ugly head and we've been doing so good and we've been afforded the same opportunities as everybody else. Absolutely not. That is not the case. You know what I mean? So it's, it's that constant. And, and Trump even said in his pre-election speech, you know, what do you have to lose? Your schools are horrible. You don't have the best jobs. You don't even have health care. So voted for me. What's that going to, you have nothing to lose. It, it, he said that at a rally. And mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that foot, I heard about it, but I didn't see it. But to see it like forefront, I was floored. And you mean, like Erica said, you mean to tell me we're not voting? Get these fuckers out of office. I'm sorry. And also speak up. Let your voice be heard. And if we don't do something about it, it's going to be a problem. But I am so happy that today, like as of today, Black people are fed up. The country is fed up. The world is fed up because protests are going on everywhere. Period. But unfortunately, like it's like they want to, target us and say we're doing this we're doing that but if anybody if this is what it takes for us to make some shit happen then y'all know how i'm about that life okay. yeah they better be happy i got an illness because i'd be at the front i'm willing i'm <laughs> like Kendrick Lamar, i'm willing to die for this shit i'm yeah. really like yeah. at a point where i cannot stand where we are right now 60 years later after civil rights why are we still being killed like like animals like it's like hunting season for African-Americans, and it's really sick. And when we think about COVID-19 as, a, as, as one topic, and we think about police brutality and the killings that we're experiencing, these are really related. They, they correlate with each other because when you think about it, um, police, police um, brutality 
it is a public health problem because it contributes to the mortality rates of African-Americans. So it's all combined. You know what right. I'm saying? So they can sit up and build whatever whatever rhetoric they want to have or whatever case they want to have. But all of this, it just goes back to it's, it's a plan in place. I'm happy that our Black people are stepping up and realizing, hey, we're not about to back down. We're not about to go out without a fight because at the end of the day, um, we're somebody's ancestors right now. Whether or not we realize it or believe it, we are somebody's ancestors. So just like we look back and we think about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Angela Davis, Rosa Parks, all of the people that led the way and paved the way for us to even be able to hold these jobs that we have, get educations and all of that, we got to realize that we still ain't too far from that shit. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are our grandkids and great-grandkids, what are they going to be able to say about us? Because right now with the, the way that the world is kind of putting us and putting, putting Black people, like making us look, we're killing each other. We're causing deaths when it comes to diseases and all of this stuff. We're ghetto. We can't get jobs and all of that. It's time to change the narrative by any means necessary. You know, mm-hmm. so sitting back, whether it takes voting, whether it takes riots, I don't agree with the looting stuff. Like, I really wish black people would stop with that because yeah. it gives, we continuously give them a reason to have something to say about us. And it's, it's almost, it's often, I hope, I don't know who's listening, but if you got Cousin Pookie and Boo Boo and whoever uh, that's out there fighting and doing all that, be, I'm down for the fight. But make sure when you are presenting yourself on TV, these newscasters are on social media, make sure that you're showing yourself in the best light possible because sitting up here cursing every other minute and just not even knowing how to, to get your point across, you're, making, you're, you're feeding into the notion that they already have of us. Mm-hmm. Get your facts straight, speak facts. You know what I'm saying? And, t- and talk about what, what the reality is and talk about what, what's important right now. And then it's also, you know, I, and this is a little sideline, but it also goes hand in hand. We see a lot of non, non-African-American, non-Black people, you know, out there. And I thank everyone for, mm-hmm. you know, the, their input and standing in solidarity and all that. But what the non-Black people, whether they're Hispanic, Asian, Indian, or white, you got to realize that it's your responsibility to educate your people. We are tired of fighting this fight. We are tired of having to make you realize some shit that's really, just really common sense. We're all human. We all have eyes, ears, noses. We're all the same. We're not some dogs out here. We're not some freaking, you know, random straight animals that's roaming the streets asking for equality. We all have the same, or afforded, should be afforded, the same rights that you all are. But we have to consistently explain to people why, why we should be treated equal. And it absolutely makes no sense as a race. And I'm not saying all white people or all other non-black people as a whole don't understand it, but why are we still having this goddamn conversation? Bitch, we are fucking human. Yikes. Oh. Yes. Yes, we are. Well, but, but no, I, 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 this is kind of going edit. back to like the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll have a couple edits. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a couple edits. But no, I mean, the passion, I completely understand it because yeah. I was at work and a guy who owns a business um, in New Iberia had made a post about Black Lives Matter. And he was like, you know, I've, I've been silent about this for a long time, but you know, Black Lives Matter inherently is racist, okay? And I had to literally explain to somebody I worked with the difference between Black Lives Matter and white supremacy. And if there's a non-white listening to this, hopefully this will educate you some as well. 
White supremacy is basically the idea that the white race is superior to any other race walking around here. They are, they feel like they're, they're entitled to, you know, attack other races, whether it be verbally, physically, solely because of their race. That's what white supremacy is. That is racist. That is hateful. Black Lives Matter is literally a call to the world to acknowledge our equality. It is not to say that the black race is superior to anyone's race. We're literally begging to be seen as human beings. That is what Black Lives Matter is about. And if like some white else. person can put Black Lives Matter on their shirt and not feel like we're saying F the white people, you can too. You can really That's open your nice. eyes and see. You know, like I've seen so many posts and I reposted this lady, a white lady. You know, some people just don't understand because they are not. They're literally blind to it. They or don't, they don't want to understand it. Or they don't want, some, some don't want to understand, i.e. Drew Brees, i.e. yeah, I'm calling them out. And I'm a New Orleanian, but Drew Brees, your, your comments on this- You're canceled. You're, you're, I'm sorry. I, and I am a diehard Saints fan, but man, yes. I'm gonna have a real hard time watching this season and not like be praying for sex for you because you know, <laughs> you just sex. don't want to understand. <laughs> you don't want to understand what this whole thing is about. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I lost my whole train of thought. I just got upset thinking about you <laughs> because it upsets you. Yeah, it's upsetting because it's like we should not be sitting up here begging to just be seen as human. That's Literally, just begging to yeah, having the same right. We we shouldn't be. And if yeah, it is the responsibility of the non-white community to educate um, those that don't get it. Oh, that's what I was saying. The lady that didn't get it. So she made it really clear, like she didn't realize that black people were so targeted because she was basically sheltered from, it. you know, she didn't, I mean, she would see the certain things, um, you know, on TV or whatever the case may be. But as far as like seeing it in her neighborhood or seeing it with her friends, she really didn't see it. So when this past George Floyd situation happened, that was her aha moment. She might've been 40 something years old, but she wow. had an aha moment. This is what these revolutions, that's what these riots are. We're trying to enforce aha moments for you people that don't get that Black people deserve to be treated fairly. I'm sorry, I'm off my soapbox with that, but. No, no I agree. And I have a lot of friends who are not people of color. And that's something that I do appreciate them. I have a, a friend, a good friend of mine. We worked together for over six years and she has a as precious as she is, she's as green as they come. Um, she has had no idea, honestly, until she and I started working together and kind of bringing, you know, light to the the Michael Brown situation, the Trayvon Martin. Like she'll hear about it, but she's just thinking, wow, you know, these are a few isolated incidents until more recent. And she's like, oh my gosh, like she would text me and say, Chrissy, did this really happen? Or, you know, how do I find more information? Because one, like you said, Alex, she's sheltered from it. I mean, she is very very green and then she's very white you know what I mean like those are not things that they are taught that's not things that she's educated on but she wanted to know and this is like you said the George Floyd situation she took to social media which I was surprised and shout out to my white girl Claire but she was very vocal about how sick it made her how disgusted she was that you know this is what's happening with you know Caucasian Americans and that she's a part of that you know what I mean? And it was just like one of those things where it's like, 
I see what's happening and no, I'm not okay with this. And yes, this is wrong. And again, like you said, why are we having to beg? Why am I having to justify why my black life matters? Why my black son is not a threat? Why my black daughter is not a threat? Why do I have to, to, to beg someone to say, you know, she's a, she's a good child. She's this, she's that. Why do I have to give accolades for you to respect her in a way that you give that to someone naturally? Why does she have a target on her back that you don't see on somebody else? You know what I mean? So it's just, like Shade said, we are effing sick of it, okay? Like we are effing sick of it as a, as a race, as a whole, as a country, as a society. John Boyega, who's an actor, he's of uh, African descent naturally. I think he's Nigerian, but he lives in the UK. And he said very boldly, and shout out to him for that, this is why I don't live in the States. He was like, this is why I still live in the UK. He was like, I will never live there because I am a black man. And because I am that, I am a threat. That is so scary. Why do I have to worry about if my black husband is going to walk out the door and not come home just because he went to get gas? You know, so uh, it's like how far we've come and how far do we continue? Do we have to continue to go? You know, you know what, Chris, just to, just to piggyback. It's like, for me, certain white people, and I'm not talking about who you just spoke on, but it's just like, you know, when is when are you going to stop with the excuses? Because y'all can learn our music, you can rock our styles, you can date our men, you can do all of this stuff to emulate black culture, but you can't get your ass on Google and figure out how many people, I'm going to watch what I'm, I'm going to watch my time, I'm going to watch my <laughs> I know how I get about this, but you can do all of this stuff because you love black culture so much but you can't figure out why this is a problem or you get hushed when this is a problem. I, I just pulled up while we've been talking, I just pulled up and, um, and it's uh, something that said, just within the last year, 1,023 people, black people have been shot and killed by police in the past year. We're talking wow. one year. One then year. when you go back to 2012, let's talk about Trayvon Martin. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk about Eric Garner in 2014. Let's talk about Mike Brown in 2014. Let's talk about Freddie Gray in 2015. Let's talk about the little baby, Tamir Rice, who was outside playing with a play gun and got killed. You know what I'm saying? I can keep going on and on with the household names of the people that have been killed. But at the end of the day, there's so many more that are not even spoken on. Why does it take you know us to have to go to the forefront and be on CNN and do all of this for you guys, for not you guys, but those other people to realize this is an epidemic and yeah. you're, you're literally trying to, you know, exterminate black people, so to speak. It's, it's not uh, something that you have to go look in an encyclopedia for, honey, as quick as you can get on social media or as quick as you can get on Google. That's how quick it takes to find out why this is a problem. So like all of that stuff and then being, people being hush hush and all of that, like, no, use your voice. So I'm happy that your friend, you know, got on and used her voice because there's so many people that either, you know, are embarrassed about it or don't feel the need to speak on it because it's not happening to them or anyone that they know. But it's like, you know, we need all of our counterparts, black, white, you know, whoever, and black people too. Just, you know, don't be like, alongside of voting, I'm happy that these black people are out here rioting because this is the first wake up call that we've had that's been consistent. You know, we want to, we want to, not wear Gucci for a week, but then you go, oh, I still buy Gucci. After they, they said they went, I wouldn't buy me a Gucci belt. Cause I'm like, y'all ain't gonna stop. Y'all, y'all gonna be mad about it for a day and then keep doing it. So I'm not about to see, keep getting on these different causes and these bandwagons that y'all are on for a day 
y'all want to promote stuff for a day and then make it a hashtag and let it go. It's time for us to really stick to this and keep seeing it through until the end, until some real change is made. So it's going to take the riots. It's going to take the voting. It's going to take continuously, unfortunately, educating people about stuff. We have to be dedicated as a unit. You yeah, know, definitely. I have then, to. I'm sorry, real quick. Another question, What you just said was very profound. Like you, you say that it's gonna have to. It's gonna take a unit. Black people, we need to get organized and move in unison in unity. When Rosa Parks uh, sat in that white man's seat, blacks boycotted that bus, the bus system, for 381 days as a whole. Okay. Now, you know, back then, people didn't have cars like that. That was our only mode of transportation. People walked. They walked to where they had to go. And like you said, with the Gucci instance, that was one day I saw people like, oh, I'm not buying Gucci. And then the next day, I was so pissed because I saw people posting photos in their Gucci slides. Like, it was a joke. Like, dude, make it more than a hashtag. Like, the joke's on us constantly. And we're giving people the okay. It's time to to boycott the businesses. It's time to start our own black businesses. It's time to support one another. It's time to stop killing one another. Let's stop giving them a reason to talk about us and, and to say, oh, this is why the black race is not going to evolve anymore because we can't do anything as a group. And like you said, other minorities are attacking us. First of all, the misappropriated racism, kill it. Because everybody else who's doing this, let's just be honest, they don't want y'all here either. They're building laws, uh, businesses are being cut, there are tariffs on taxes out the wazoo. So please, like, don't tickle your fancy here because you think you're doing white America a favor, they're laughing at you because they're using you at the same time because, oh, we, we got the blacks over here on the south side of Chicago and, and we got the blacks over here in Indianapolis. Guess what? You're still going to go to jail because you're still breaking the law. So, but at the end of the day, if we don't do something as a race, as a whole, it's going to be the same thing it's gonna be the same thing so it's just oh no, i'm sorry yeah no and i mean just talking from the i mean yeah we need to do things for ourselves to make sure that but for our children i mean i'm a black boy mom Hello? and i know me and erica we both have boys um chrissy's about to have a little black boy but um yes. we're black boy mom and the simple fact that my child is 12 and i have talked to him on more than five to 10 occasions about how he's supposed to conduct himself in the world just so he can stay safe. And then mm. still trying to make sure I couple it with, even if you do these types of things, you may not be safe. So you need to do X, Y, and Z. That's a freaking problem. And like I said, it's not about, I know I'm friends with people that are cops. I know not all cops are bad. I Look, this is a, dis we know all cops are not bad. We know all whites are not racist. We know all blacks are not ignorant and have damn coronavirus. But God damn, these are conversations I should not be having with my 12 year old. You know, and the first conversation was like when he was like nine, like eight or nine. He's worried about playing damn basketball. And I'm sitting up here telling him, oh, make sure you, you know, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You know, if somebody stops you in a car or if you're with your little white friends, make sure you're not doing the same bad stuff that they're doing because little Jimmy is going to go home and you're going to be sitting in, in damn, uh, what do you call it, juvenile somewhere. I mean, Erica, what kind of fears as a boy mom, a black boy like, mom? Like I've been, afraid, I've been afraid ever since my seven-year-old was born and like, 
I have to watch how they dress. Like I dress them in polos and button downs a lot so they can dress like young men. And I walk around in hoodies because I'm afraid of them being stereotyped when they get older. So I try to start them young with how they dress. You know, like when I was, when they were like one and two people like, why are you always buying them polo? I'm like, it's not that. I like them being cut, clean cut, wearing button downs. Like starting young because it's scary. It's so crazy. You gotta, you can't really put your kids in jogging suits like that because you don't want them to get, get used to walking around in hoodies because you don't want them like Trayvon Martin being targeted you know and it's like being a boy mom and just being a mom period like but mainly a boy mom like I pray a lot and a lot a lot of times like you know it's like they using the COVID to have more senseless killings of black men you know in America but it's been going on way before the COVID. You know, cops been killing black men every day. Some televised, some being swept under the rug. But at the end of the day, like, I really pray every day that not only I live a long life to be here for my kids, but that they don't have to experience any of that. And it's like kids weren't, they didn't ask to be born in this world. But sometimes I'm like, dang, like, should I really, you know, is this the world you want to bring your kids into? You know, yeah. and it's like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like, it's just crazy. Like, it's just crazy. Like, you know, because you, you have to tell them, because I have these conversations with my younger brothers. Uh, two of them are in college. And one of the colleges, my brother couldn't stand it. At, at Paul Quinn, it's a HBCU out here in Dallas. They make, the, they make the guys dress up, button downs or polos every day. And he's like, why do I got to do this? And I'm like, you know, it's for a bigger purpose. They need mm-hmm. you to realize how you're stepping out and how the world is viewing you. But my thing is, when it comes down to like, don't wear durags, don't wear this, don't wear jacket suits, wear your button downs, like the list will continue. They're right. going to keep adding a reason. You can't even jog down the street. Your, little, your kids can't even play outside these days without you fearing for their lives. So it's just like, when is enough enough? Or like, why do our children or our people in general have to carry so much? Don't do this. Don't do that. One wrong move. Let me do this. Even as women. Think about Sandra Bland. Got stopped. You know what I'm saying? And ended up dead. Like, we have so many things to worry about and then we have to go out and we got to work and we got to smile and we got to do it so that we don't seem aggressive or that we don't seem like we have an attitude. It's just like a never ending battle. Right. Like how many titles do we have to hold? How many times do we have to change our smiles or our appearances or not appear to be hurt by all the stuff that we're going through because it's because of the color of our skin. Like it just absolutely, it's, it makes me sick to my stomach. I literally for this whole week, I think I've been in tears almost every day this week because at this point we are so inundated with the videos because now it's not only George Floyd, George Floyd, it's the Breonna Taylor situation. It's the the Maude Dewberry um, situation from a a couple of months ago. Now that's just surfacing. Now we're dealing with the, I might, I might not be saying. I'm like, wait girl, who's Maude Dewberry? It it was recent in Atlanta. Aubrey, Aubrey. And guys, just to be clear, all due respect to Ahmad Aubrey, his family, please don't take any disrespect with the laughter. This this is really just about Shadi's being crazy <laughs> and us really being passionate about the situation, but she's crazy and can't talk. So yes, all due respect to Ahmad Aubrey and his family though. <laughs> at the end of the day, and then I read something that said 99% of all of these police killings end in these people, these police officers not getting uh you know they're not they're not being charged so it's just like you know at the end of the day we're just at a lose-lose yeah what are we supposed to do with that you know it's just it's really disheartening because it's like okay I can go out there and I can riot 
and I can get my head knocked off and beat down with a with a baton, or I can get my eye. Somebody's had they they're losing eyes out here because they have like you know they're getting popped in the eyes with 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 uh, gas or whatever. It's just like when is enough enough? Because now we're giving them a reason to attack us. You know what I'm saying? And Alex is laughing at me because you said <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm just saying, it's just like, it's it's so much to have to constantly be aware of and to deal with that. It's overwhelming. We do not get a break. We haven't gotten a break since the beginning of time. If you right. think about our, our culture as a whole, our, our, our race as a whole, when is it, when is it, when is it going, I mean, what is it really going to take beyond voting, beyond writing? Like, what do you guys think it's going to take for the others to actually understand and make this stop? Because it's not going to be us that can force them to stop. It's them that's gonna make it stop. I personally but, but think you know what? A, I'm sorry. What you say, Erica? But you know what? Like as a people, we have to come together. Like we really gotta come together. Because yeah, we come together now, but we need to come together and stay together. Like we gotta stop all this black on black crime. We gotta stop this crab in the barrel mentality. Like when you, you know, if you from if you out the hood and you make it out the hood, you really gotta stay away from the hood because that retaliation crime is real. Like you really can't go. It's a lot of people that make it out and they can't go back because they're like people there are jealous of you and they try to retaliate on you and your children. And it's like, we got to really stop and stick together and stop trying to hold each other down. We got to like stick together and stop killing each other. And, and like with businesses, like I have a tax company and people go to H&R block before they come to me when I actually care about your tax situation. But you know, it's like, you rather go there then it come to me and it's like we gotta support each part, we gotta support our each other. Like black restaurants, we need to really support each other and come together and you get them with your money, hit them with them in their pockets, hit them where it really hurts. But I have to, you know me, I, I like to play devil's advocate. Say I was a white woman. No, I'm no, no, no. Let's not even say I was a white woman. Let's just say the tables were turned. We're the black race that we don't kill all our people. We support our business, all of our businesses, blah, 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 right? Say the shoe was on the other foot. You know, white people are constantly killing each other, constantly killing each other. But I noticed that a pol the police officers are disproportionately killing white people over me. Am I not supposed to feel sorry for them just because they're killing each other? Yeah, granted, that's an issue. We need to not be killing each other. Black people need to not, you know, we need to not be, you know, we not to not have as much black on black crime. Yes, of course, that's an issue. But does that condone the fact that, you know, I don't need to feel sorry for you because you kill your own kind? No. To me, it's completely contradictory to human empathy. Like, right. if all the Asians were killing all the Asians, I can't sit here and see in my mind, they like, police are literally targeting Asians over me and not feel bad. About, like, I would still feel bad about it. You know right. what I'm saying? I don't right. know. And then even to piggyback off that, Alex, that's a good point you just made because I know when coronavirus first hit the states, a lot of people in the states were discriminating against Asians who were here, beating them up in the streets. And who was side? I mean, granted, it was some Black people doing it, but there also were other Black people supporting them, saying, hey, we don't all feel like this. We apologize. You know, walking some of the elderly Asian people who have been attacked before, walking them home, making sure that they were safe. So we do all that, and and we display that we are empathetic and and we're sympathetic to other people being racially discriminated against. And then when it's our turn to have someone, you know, show that empathy towards us, it's always the first questions. 
oh, well, what did he do to deserve? What did he do to provoke it? Or what, where is he from? And oh, he probably didn't have a real job. First of all, maybe if I wasn't being scrutinized 24 seven, I wouldn't have to, to deal with this. Or I wouldn't have, you know, the essential frontline job like we talked about, or and I wouldn't, I would be given an, an opportunity, you know, to, to excel more. So if you looked at me a different way, we already know a lot of times racial discrimination is not just police busting the cap in our ass for no reason. It happens in the workplace. We get looked over for promotions. We get looked over when we're overqualified. You know what I mean? It is racial disparity is just what it is. Racial freaking disparity, whether it's healthcare, it's in the professional sector, socially, in our just in our everyday life, we can't even we can't go to the store and give a twenty dollar bill to somebody without somebody saying, "Oh, it's fake." Excuse me, like. What what the hell? I'm sorry, maybe we don't know the history of counterfeit, but let's just go ahead and say it wasn't African Americans who were doing it first. And I'll leave that there. <laughs> right. And I wanna go back to the the police officers and like police brutality. Like I I never tried to be a police officer, so I don't know what the hiring process is. I know they give them like some type of psychological test or whatever to make sure they're mentally qualified to do this, but I don't understand who's running these tests and how they're passing it. And I want to see if we can, if they need, the testing needs to go on to something totally different to where we can hook you up to some type of electrodes or hook up some to, to your veins or hook you up a line detector and show you some pictures of some some white people and see how your body and your brain react to it and then start, start showing you some pictures of some black people and see if like your heart rate increase or some mm. brain activity pop off or something like that because i feel like those cops don't need to be cops right period and so i like i said i don't know what the testing is to that I have a few people in my family that are police officers and, you know, they're really good police officers, but I feel like the, it seemed like the racist ones are the ones that's getting these jobs. They, they, get, they get on so fast. Right. People, the, the cops that I know that are cops, it took them a while to even get on the job. It could have been number one because it was black, you know, okay. but then it's like the racist ones like it's they're there in the millions so it's like how do how do we thoroughly examine these people and try not to get them in because they're they have some type of racial you know feeling towards black people or any other race you know like i'm we need to they need to dive deeper with these testing and how these people could get through here and actually be police because you know you give somebody a badge and some power honey that goes to the head that's it yeah but you have to think about corruption as a whole yeah but that's how the system was set up and you got to realize i did stuff i looked to see because of course this is based on counties and and of course in new orleans it's called parishes or whatnot but like in one of the counties out here in the DFW area, you don't even have to have a high school. You don't have to have a high school school diploma. You don't have to be a graduate. And for me, for people that are at the at the forefront of saving lives and protecting and serving, I, I you know I'm big on education. I just feel like you should have a certain IQ level. A, you should have gone to school. If right. we if we're allowing doctors and these people got to go to school and y'all got to go to pharmacy school X amount of years and people got to, you know, go to med school for X amount of years and do residencies. Why are people that have low IQs or that you don't even care about their backgrounds? Why are they given this much power? Right. You know, it's, it's set up that way. And it's just it's really sad because this is what allows it to continue. Um, they don't want to put that much money into um 
you know, the funding of police departments either, uh, with, unless it's unless we're arresting some black folks, they're gonna put all the money in the prisons because a lot of them are probably on. But I just also wanna touch on something that kind of relates to what you said real quick, Erica, about black people and sticking together. Why is it that our people focus on, like if you have a white person that has, or let me not say white, let me not just focus on white, a non-black person that has a business. And then you have a black person that has a business. Let me, let me just use sports, for example, because I heard my guy brother spoke on this yesterday. He's a sports agent. With as many black people that are involved in sports, they're always going to go and choose the white or the non-black sports agent instead of the black person that you know is probably going to look out. But, but because we're looked at, we look at each other with the same connotations that everyone else looks at us. We got to change the mindset of each other. Then when you go back to, I don't know if y'all have ever seen this, um, it's an old school infomercial that came out in like the 50s and it's called uh, The Secret to Selling to a Negro. If you haven't seen it, pull it up on YouTube. It is hilarious, but it's sad because it's true. They know that we'll go out, we get a check, we're going to go out and spend our last to, to be dripped and draped out in the finest fashions and all of this stuff. And they bank on that. So Erica, when you said hit them where it hurts in their pockets, it's time. We have too many people thriving in black businesses for us not to be supporting black businesses. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, alongside of voting and writing, we have to start really making these moves and entrusting each other. And then when it comes to the black on black violence, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need Pookie and Boo Boo and all of them, Cousin Pete and whoever, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to start no big riot, no war, but take your energy, take, take all the energy that you have that you want to kill somebody from the next ward over, turn, turn them guns around to the people that deserve it. And that's all I'm saying. I'm, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to start a war or nothing, but we, because at the end of the day, people fear us because they know how powerful we are. So the moment we start sticking together and then we, we start using these gun laws in a way that we are supposed to, because out here in Texas, you can carry it. Let, I, need, I need the people from Oak Cliff out here in Lancaster and all of that. Carry your guns. And let's see, how, let's see if, they have the, if, if, if Billy and them have that same energy when you're walking around with your gun. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And mind you, just just as a note, Homegirls is not a promoter of violence. No, but, no, but, but I mean, yeah, but no, I completely get what you're saying because the anger is misdirected. Yeah, um, it is. You know, the anger is misdirected within our Black community. And yeah, yeah I can't really... Um, black on black crime too much because you know I, I really haven't experienced it personally i know it's a thing but black people uplifting each other is a thing like it's, it's it's not a thing of the past because i mean i feel like you know there are groups of women that uplift each other and men whatever but that crab in a barrel mentality somebody spoke on a little bit earlier oh my god Us black women, oh yeah that's a thing like out here in lafayette let me tell you something I, well, okay, so the store that I worked at before, the one that I'm at now, was in like urban, you know, Lafayette. Um, and for the longest, every black, not every black woman, but the majority of the black girls that worked at the store, like in the front store, even like when I first met my staff, they thought, oh, she thinks she's too much. Oh, she just, she bougie. You know what I mean? Now, mind you, my default face is sometimes not the nicest, but you know, I don't think I'm too much. I'm very cool and down to earth if you would just get to know me. But the fact that I was excited to go work at like an all black store in Lafayette, um, especially in a community where being a black pharmacist is something like, whoa, like what? Like, you right. know, just if they're small, smaller minded out here, you know, trailers are goals. Being a dental hygienist is a goal, which those are good goals. But 
they're not exposed to bigger things like townhomes and you know owning property and own you know like going for the doctorate degree versus the associate's degree which those are i'm not sliding those goals at all because those are accomplishments in themselves but as far as the the breadth of those goals it, it's not as large as like a larger city so anyway i was excited to go and like be that example of a black woman that kind of did a little something for herself for some of the black women in the you know in the store that i was working in and the criticism and the judgments that I met from my own Black people when I first got to that store, it was like, wow. Now, mind you, after they met me and after I, I guess, proved myself uh, to them as, oh, she's cool, oh, she's not bad. Okay, of course, like, you know, I got cool with those people, but it's like, why did it take all that? Right. Why? And you're supposed, you look like me. If yeah. anything, I should be an inspiration to you. You're an inspiration to me. I see you, young mother. You know what I'm saying? Whether you're a cashier, you're picking up cards. Okay, you're doing something with yourself. You're inspiring me to you know, keep pushing when I'm going through a hard time. But why can't it be vice versa in our Black communities? And that's the thing. Men, women, like Black men and women, we're our biggest enemies sometimes. And that's you know what it is, Alex? It's because, it's because you're a threat. It's because you're a threat. People look at you like you're a threat because... Oh, she's doing better than me, so she thinks she's better. No, I don't. I want more for myself in a way that maybe you don't want the same things, and that's okay. Like, I kind of, I even got the same uh, rap sheet in undergrad. Like, oh, she's a cute girl. She's pretty, but oh, she's a B. If anybody know me, I'm a clown. I like to have fun. I'm nice to everybody. I mean, I'm not friendly like that, but I mean, I would ne- I'm, I'm just not a bitchy person, excuse me, but I'm not, that's not my demeanor. Like I just, I'm real chill. It takes a lot for me to get turned up. And if you get me to that point, we're gonna have a problem. But that's just not me. But, oh, I look a certain way. Or my children look a certain way. Or you, you know, you think you better because your kids look like, th- what? I don't give a damn. First of all, who are you? And why do what my children look like or what I look like or my mom looks like matters? You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, you think you better because you look this way. No, I, I speak articulately because I got bad in my mouth when I didn't. So if you mm-hmm. have a problem with it, won't you go holler at my mama and she'll treat you the same. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's, it's not even about that. It's just because you weren't taught a certain way doesn't mean that, oh, I think and perceive you as less. That is not the case. Again, we as Black African-Americans, need to lift up each other. You don't have to rob, kill, and steal. And like you said, Alex, you don't know about Black-on-Black crime. I've experienced it. I lost my cousin, pre-Katrina, who was like my brother, because he friended somebody who was younger than him. The same day he met them, trying to talk to them, just let them know, like, hey, I know how New Orleans is. You don't have to be like that. Guess what? He met him that morning, thought he wanted to, you know, talk to him and 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 buy something because my cousin had a clothing store guess what my cousin was dead by 5 45 same person set him up you know what i'm saying so it's like i don't hear it like i know what the black on black crime is that's jealousy you didn't even know him he didn't do you anything you never met him but because you have a problem with the way that he looked you have a problem with the way that he carried himself or you viewed him as a threat you know what I'm saying? So, oh, so now you, you know, you try, what is it, what do they call it? Trial, jury, executioner. No, I don't think so. You know, and that's a problem in our community. So yeah, the cops don't give a shit about killing us because we're doing it to ourselves day in and day out. So mm-hmm. and unless that changes too, they don't, they don't, they don't give a damn about valuing our lives because they feel like we don't value it. 
Right. But that still don't give them the right to justify killing us. You know, like, I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm let me not. I do care that we kill each other, but and I and I would want that to change. But I don't feel like no cops should be like, oh well, I could get away with killing him, or it's justified because they're killing each other anyway. No, sir. No. Mm-hmm. Like not it's at not, all. It's not justified, but it's powerful. Like it's real. Like I had a cousin who he he died protecting his nephew, his five-year-old nephew. Like, they were trying to kill my cousin who's five years old, and my other cousin jumped in front of the bullet, and he died. So, like, it's real. I know it doesn't make sense, but they really do feel like if they're going to kill each other, like, what does it matter we do? And it's not right. But that's their mentality. That's their sick mentality. They are sick. Like, and then I really feel like, like the, you know, the supremacists, a lot of them, they let them join the task force. This is the new age. They're not wearing white sheets. They're wearing badges now. Like mm-hmm. I really feel like that's the that's the new that's the new in this era. That's what it is. No more white sheets. They're wearing badges, and I feel like the people that's hiring them, they are the same kind. So they're gonna yeah. make sure they get them in in the masses. So it's like yeah. we gotta get other people empowered in our police departments because as long as we have them empowered, they're gonna hire their kind that think like them, that act like them. And they're gonna keep getting away with it, you know. Like this, it's, it's annoying. It's like somebody posted um, on social media the other day. They were like, you know, why don't you see police, you know, breaking up KKK meetings? It's the same reason why you don't see Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana in the same place. They are the same. Like right. you're crazy if you think that these all white forces, task force, or police departments who have these issues or they know they have a problematic, you know, policeman on the squad or whatnot, who has count charge after charge after charge of the same radical racial behavior. And oh, it takes them killing someone black for the rap sheet to be exposed. You mean to tell me you didn't know about this? So you, so you, so this went under the radar when, you know, complaints were filed because I don't, if you do nothing about them, they're still filed and they still go in that person's file. Well, what do you do? You cover it up. And then now your ass is on the line because you have to explain, wow, he had this battery, this charge, this charge, and you kept him on when clearly there's a protocol somewhere that you're not following and you allow this shit to constantly happen. Like that's what pisses me off. You know, you got a problem on your force and you're okaying it. I don't care if they're black or white or non-black or non-people of color. It's the same corruption that happens in, in the cities, you know, where we where predominantly black people live and you have people, oh, okay. And the drug dealers committing the crimes, you know, selling the drugs on the street and you don't do anything about it brother just because you're not killing them you're not arresting them you're still part of the problem and you need to face the same due process as the ones who are putting their damn knees on our neck and and that's just what it is yeah yeah and then i think the biggest thing too like you know this whole you know police brutality is a thing like you know i know it's a thing but i just keep thinking about children like because at the end of the day like we're going i mean some people might change their minds you know some people may have that aha moment um with these riots and protests but at the end of the day most of them are not going to change their ideals but it's preventing those ideals from being passed down to our children right you know non-white people like this is your time to pass the ideal that people should be treated fairly to your children Otherwise, my children are going to be sitting doing their podcast in 20 years talking about the same stuff. 
mm-hmm. you know, are hopefully living to talk about the same stuff. Right. Or they'll be, God forbid, on somebody's ground with your son's knee in their neck. Like that, I just, I, I think that's what makes me so upset. I can tolerate a lot of things. But when I sit there and look at Brayden and Austin's faces and know that they could be subject to some of this evil hatred shit that people just refuse to break, you know, the general generational curse of, it literally makes me nauseous. Mm-hmm. And really like emotional to even think that they can even be subject to this shit. You know, right. like whether you're a police officer, whether you're a damn hiring agent, whatever you are, if you are a racist, you are a problem. If you're right. a black racist, you're a problem because you're going to damage somebody's kid. If you're a white racist, you're a problem. Asian racist, whatever the hell you are, you're a freaking problem. And it's going to break down so many freaking kids' self-esteem and it's going to break down their complete thought processes about themselves. And I just, like, that's what tugs at my heartstrings. I can bust a bitch in the mouth. Excuse me. I can bust somebody in the mouth that tells me something hateful. Oh, We're going to mute that out. We're going to mute that out, what I just said. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can defend myself. I know who I am. I, even if I was the most ignorant person on the world, I know that I would not allow what somebody else thinks of me, you know, to dictate how I think about myself. But, like, my, kids can't. Yeah. You know, and I can't blame the little white children that are growing up in the racist homes of these retards or little, not just white children, but little non-black children that are growing up in these racist homes because they're only repeating what they know. This right. George Floyd challenge that these dumb children are doing, that's from their, that's from their parents. They didn't learn that. That wasn't something that was ingrained in them. They learned it, right. you know, and if we don't change the narrative to our kids, so, like it'll never be safe. That's why I feel like racism. It's way more than I, I really think. It's it's only going to be healed. Like yeah. when people, you know, these Bible toting Christians that are anti Black Lives Matter, y'all, y'all are the people. I need y'all to really seek God for this type of issue. You know what I'm saying? Because this 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 is not something that's going to change in a day. It's not going to change in a riot. It's not going to change in a Facebook post. Y'all people need, really need to be looking for God. And really allowing him to to guide you where you need part is the problem because we the way they the the Christianity they believe in and the ones that we believe in are not always the same. They bank on us to uh, go that route because that's you know when you go back to the slavery days that's all we had. And then you know it's just like they created they created what we're going through the trauma that we're experiencing and the division that we have. They created that so. At the end of the day, the trauma that we have, they have, and that we're living with and trying to get through, they got to realize the villain, I don't know if the word, if it's villainy or villainy, whatever it is, they were villains and have been from the beginning of time. That's their history. That's their ancestry. So they have a diligence to make sure that they're educating their children. Because my thing is, my question to, to white, and I am going to say white people, because that's who's causing this right now. My question to white people are, what are you doing and teaching your kids to make sure that they're not going to kill my, my future child? That's what I want to know. Sitting up here being silent or, you know, or, or, or acting like, oh, or, or making up all these uh, reasons to why it's okay. Oh, they kill each other and this and this and that. No, you all created things that deprived us from the same um, rights and, you know, all of this amazing things that America has offered. We've never been afforded those. Y'all gave us a little bit. Thank you for the civil rights movement. But we still don't have it all. 
So at the end of the day, you know, when it comes down to our black children and our sons and our future, like it really is up to them. It's only so much we can do until we get more people in office that can make change because this system, this judicial system, period, we're talking about a system that was created from slaveholders. And we're still basing our laws off of those same, those same, that same mindset and those same laws that were made all those years ago. So we're never going to have some changes until the whole system is fucking shut down and started over again. If we being honest, we can vote and do this and that, but that's really not going to change that much. We had a whole black president for eight years. Look at where we at now. Mm. So and he was still the monkey and whatever else. Yeah, you know? it wasn't so, enough. No, wasn't enough at all. Well, but like not to not not to go out subject or anything um parents out there if you want to teach your kids about racism but you don't know where to start youtube kids have an awesome program starting from preschool all the way to high school if you don't know where to start you they have these like they have these subjects and like different playlists you know they tell you what to ask your kids like what are some things that make you special what makes other people in your life special and you ask them that stuff and you go into racism like youtube kids have a great program to help you to teach your kids about racism because it starts now. Like they need to know to have a lasting impression on them. Like it's just start from home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then two as another plug, not plug, but my line sister, Erin, she just launched um, a website. Um, and it's basically like some social justice resources for children. Um, it's called social justice resources for children toward an equitable and creative society. It's erindowell.com, E-R-I-N-D-O-W-E-L-L.com. Um, and it's some resources, you know, for, for just enlightening our children on how to promote social equality and social, you know, justice for everybody. Are we gonna so, have to promote her on our page, so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, we'll put, actually, yeah, we'll post it on the Homegirls page on Instagram yeah. and Facebook. Um, all of our social media handles but it, it's gonna I mean yeah it starts with us yeah you know we're gonna have to protest we're gonna have to have these conversations but it's what we pass down to these children and these next generations that's really gonna change this world mm -hmm. you know so I think we can all yeah. agree as a unit that racism is much more of a contagious disease than coronavirus absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. I mean and they use the coronavirus to spread racism yeah. correct Correct. And I mean, you know, until then, all we can do, y'all, is really just pray and to continue, you know, just like you said, hitting the pockets, standing as a, a unit. Um, and that's not just Black people standing as a unit, but the Blacks and non-racists all have to be a unit. Because at the end of the day, yeah, us as Black people need to be a, a unified force. But yeah, we need the non-Black people to, to be able to educate their people that you know, this world needs a, we, we need a do-over, okay? We need a, a big major do-over. All right. Um, so, you know, this, y'all, this, this episode was not planned. It literally was something that we just threw in the air, what, three days ago? Um, right. But I'm glad we were able to talk about it. And y'all, you know, this was not supposed to be our second episode. Um, but the homegirls care about what's going on in the world. And we care about our Black people and we care about our little Black children. And our black men. And our black men, our black women. And we care about people that care about us, period. Right. We yeah. care about people that care about us. And I mean, if you guys care about a black person, <laughs> do your part. That's if you're black, if you're white, if you do your part. Just do your part. If you don't understand how to do your part, we, we listed some resources and listed some tips on how to do that. Um, <laughs> 
you know, I hope you guys learned something. I mean, I hope you guys took something away from this episode. Did y'all have any, any, you know, closing remarks or anything for anybody that's listening? I know I said what I had to say. We might've came off as angry black women, but you know what? <laughs> I want to say. We, Alex said this so real. We literally have a episode planner that we plan out this. We could not promote another episode before we address this as five black women starting our own platform. So this episode was kind of heavy, kind of serious. Well, well, not kind of, very heavy, very serious. But stay tuned to our next episode. It's gonna be more lighthearted. I promise. We these black women had to get this off their chest. Trust me, y'all. We cannot yes. hold this in you know, no longer. Yes. Right. And you know why we we had to because a lot of us are on the well, all of us are on the front line. We have nurses, we have pharmacists, we have code enforcement officers, we have clinical researchers. We have to be the voice for our people because people are feeling this. They don't know where to vent. So please be on our Facebook. Please be on our Instagram. We're going to answer. We're going to comment. We're going to respond. I, I work all night. I work overnight. I'm an overnight nurse. I will stay up all night and respond to y'all so y'all don't feel like y'all are not being heard and, you know, not being listened to. So go to our social medias. Put whatever you feel on your heart. Just type it out. Leave it there. Homegirls are here for you and how you feel. Whether you agree or disagree, but... I, I what will we, we say stand, you know, we're not changing nothing that we said. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry if we stepped on any toes, but the only toes that were stepped on today were of the races. And if you're racist and you felt like your toes were stepped on, hopefully we enlightened you. And if not, you know, you need to tune on to, an, to another podcast because we're very serious about how our people are being treated and that's just what it is. So sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I'm still working <laughs> on me. So y'all, y'all, I'm sorry for the curse words that came out of my mouth, but God's still working on me. Yeah. Somebody out in the heartbeat. So. Look, why y'all, why y'all praying on racism? Y'all go ahead on and pray for Sister Shadi. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank y'all so much for tuning in, and thank y'all for even taking our um, opinions and our thoughts on this very serious matter to heart. We appreciate you. But I promise the next couple will be a little fun. They'll be much more lighthearted than this one. Um, <laughs> much more lighthearted. We promise. Much thank more lighthearted. <laughs> much more lighthearted. But yeah, guys, just thank you, and thank you to everybody who is protesting. Everybody who's using their right. voice, everybody who's using their platforms, their dollars, whatever you're doing to promote this cause, thank you. And for those who are on the front lines, front lines, I can't talk, please keep using your hand sanitizing things because yes, coronavirus is a thing, all right? Still, it I'm is still a thing. up, guys. Still yes, messed up. <laughs> it is a thing, but don't let it take your, your eyes away from the real issue that's going on. And right. right. So with that being said, we're signing off, Negroes. Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>